right, what's up? Big Valley, how we doing? Oh, hi. Hi. Okay. Y'all, I was going to say, if anybody like next to you looks like they're starting to fall asleep or sleeping already, you get my permission, just give them a smack. In love. In love. Gentle. All right. Hey, this is an important night. We got some really cool stuff we're going to take care of tonight. But I want to, did y'all have a pretty good day today? Yeah. Who won the Kajabi Can Can tournament? Girl winners, boy winners. Like the freshmen have no chance, right? Are you kidding me? Freshmen, freshmen. Yeah, all right, cool. <laughs> Whatever, all right, all right. Hey, uh, so uh, that's super cool. Let me just tell you, y'all enjoy Kajabi Can Can while you can, because when you get to my age, your knees can no longer play Kajabi Can Can, all right? Uh, I found this out the hard way uh, at the last church I was at, and, and I thought I was super cool, and I'm pulling, and all of a sudden my knee went this way, and my rest of my leg stayed put, and my knee went pop, 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 pop. Yeah, so anyway, I don't, my wife doesn't let me play Kajabi Ken Ken anymore. Go figure. Um, I had a pretty good day today. I got to talk to um, my wife and my, my youngest son, Eli. I think I told you all he's headed off to Cedarville University in Ohio. Uh, they were flying out, and so good news, they made it, so that's a good thing, and super good news, uh, my wife, she, she says, you won't believe this, but I got upgraded to first class. Dude, we've never had that happen to us. Like, we buy the cheap seats on the flights, right? Y'all with me? She got upgraded to first class, which is like super cool. She had a big seat. She got like special food and all kinds of stuff. Anyway, and then she gets to the uh, airport, and they, we had rented her, again, Henderson's were like notoriously cheap, all right? And so we get her like the little like, you know, Kia, Sophia, whatever the thing is, little car. What is it? I don't know. I don't care. It's a Kia. I'm not going to drive it. Okay, but we, but we get it for her and they get there and they're like, ma'am, you are going to be transporting all this luggage from your son. Like this Kia is not going to work it. And they upgrade her to a, a Dodge Charger. Yeah. So my, my wife is like rolling, like she's got her hand up like this, like putting the sunglasses. It's awesome. Anyway, so super good news. It's really right. Now, here's the deal. Like we all like hearing good news, right? Start spreading the news. Do, do. Frank Sinatra. Okay, you know. Okay, good. You know what? I'm just going to give up on the songs. Like you guys aren't in. Uh, okay, you were singing with me. Thank you. Okay, now here's the deal. Uh, Tonight, I don't want to just talk about good news, though. We're going to talk about great news. We're going to talk about the most super spectacular, most amazing uh, news that has ever been on this earth. Now, let me backtrack, because this morning, though, we talked about sin, right? And we talked about the mess that our sin causes. And we talked about how the, the, the cost of our sin is what? Death. Is what? Death. Is death. The cost of your sin is death, eternal separation from God. This is not good people. But tonight, we're going to talk about what God did about it. You see, we are going to talk about the greatest story that was ever told. And this story never, ever gets old because it is the story of the world. It's the story of an eternal God of the universe who knew you were gonna sin before you sinned because he's omniscient and he had a plan for reconciliation even before he created time. So let's look at this story. Now, we've been in Ephesians 4 uh, the whole week. What I want you to do is turn to Ephesians 4, but 
and you can kind of hold the place, but we're going to start this a couple chapters back, and we're actually going to go back to Ephesians 2. So open up your Bibles to Ephesians 2, and we're going to be here for a while. Like I said, we're going to go back and forth between Ephesians 2 and Ephesians 4, but I want to start with Ephesians 2. Now, I want to tell you, this is one of my favorite absolute passages of the Bible. The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God. The B-I-B-L-E, the Bible. Thank goodness. <laughs> Education is restored. You're learning the Bible song. Okay, good. Okay. I meant that was nervous. Okay. Uh, so the Bible uh, is this story of God's redemptive plan for us. And, and this passage I just love because it kind of walks through that plan. So look, let's start in verse 1, okay? Ephesians 2, verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. Stop. Okay, so we've, we talked about this uh, this morning, right? So the, co- the consequences of our sin is that we are dead in our sins. This sums up that the result of our sin is death. And I just want to be abundantly clear before we move to the great news that your sin separates you from a perfect and holy God. There is no other result from that. And there is nothing, absolutely nothing, that you can personally do about it. Look at me. You can't be good enough. You can't go to church enough. You can't attend a Christian school. You can't give enough to the poor. There is not enough Lauren Daigle and Brandon Lake songs that you can listen to to earn your way into eternity with God. The result of our sin is death. Verse 2. In which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and in the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind." Look, we talked about this, that you are all born into sin nature. All of us has this, predest- this, this genetic disposition to sin in our lives. We have this sin nature, right? We saw this, the way the infants uh, act. And, and so all of us are in this world just like the world is. And, and Paul's clarifying this kind of battle between, again, that we talked about, the battle between the flesh and the spirit and how ultimately when we choose our own way, we often do that just as the world does, that, that when we are left to ourselves, we choose to trust ourselves in our sin nature. And Paul says when we choose our own sinful desires, we're no different from the world. We're all sinners who deserve death, eternal separation from God. Now, you ready for the great news? Are you ready? Verse four, here we go, because this is it. Here comes the good news, verse four. But, but, I love, I like buts, and I cannot lie, okay? You other brothers can't, did not, okay. No, this is true. I like buts in the Bible, okay? And I'm, I'm, listen, buts are great because it means that God is doing something. Seriously, though, I just lost you, but seriously... But God is one of the most powerful statements in the Bible. If you want to do just the most rad study, like Google it or whatever you need to do, and just type in how many times you see the words, but God. Because what that means is God is at work. And so here we go. But God, rich, being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us. 
that even when we were in dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with, with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Back in that. But God, rich in his mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. This is the great news. Now, here's the deal. When we were raising the boys, there was a lot of things that like, if my wife and I really wanted them to understand something super important, we knew that we had to uh, repeat the words often. Do you have teachers that do that? Teachers, do you do that, right? You repeat words so you can, okay. So things with our boys were like, uh, pee goes in the toilet, not on the wall, right? Any, any boys had their parents ever tell them that? We had to tell our boys that all the time, and yet they still didn't get it. They're 21 years old, they still don't get it. Anyway, uh, the uh, other stuff too, like we had to tell them all the time, like when your brothers are asleep, that's their ear is not the place to put dead flies, like stuff like, I know, this is, I raised three boys. I, I'm sorry, this is the conversation we had to have. But listen, I'm gonna tell you this thing right here, so, and I'm gonna say it so many times tonight that it sinks in. Here it is, are you ready? Here's the great news. God loves you. Now, don't look at me like, duh, Chip, I know that. Listen, listen, God loves you. The creator of the world who breathed it into existence loves you. Because being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, God loves you. I love how if actually you go to Ephesians 3, 18 and 19 in the message, it says, and I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in with all the followers of Jesus, listen to this, the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breath. Test its length, plumb its depths, rise to the heights, live full lives full in the fullness of God. Y'all, God loves you so much, man. This world, there is so much that we are under pressure and so many of these things that are pushing against us to tell us that we're not loved, that we get judged on different things. And God is saying, listen, you're a sinner, but I love you so, so much. You can't even measure the love that I have for you. And maybe some of you don't experience a lot of love on this earth but I need you to know that God loves you so much and he wants you to experience all and every bit of the fullness that comes when we don't straddle the fence like we talked about this morning. When, when we choose to follow him and, and we, we get into that intimate relationship with God that we can have. Like I don't know exactly where you're at with God right now or maybe what you think about God. We, we talked about last night about some of the different attributes of God, right? We talked about how he's omniscient, omnipresent, and eternal. But beyond that, God is good. And God is a God of immense and immeasurable and even sometimes out of control love. Love. So many songs just popped in my head, but I won't sing them, okay? I'm not, I'm not going in there, okay? What's love got to do with it? Okay, sorry, Jack. Yeah. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't. Okay, sorry, 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 sorry. Let's go to the Bible. Let's go to the Bible. Okay, John 3, 16, you know this, says, for God so what? Love the world. God so loved the world. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. 1 John 3, 1 says, how great is the love of the Father that he's lavished on us so that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. Somebody cheer for that verse. I mean, thank you. Yes. That's awesome news. 
Now, look, I could spend the next few hours reading through all these different passages that talk about God's love for us and how God had a plan to redeem you. I need you to know that this book, Kendall was talking about earlier, this is no ordinary book. Look, this is God's words to us. This is the story of his love, his story of redemption and reconciliation and how he wants to recraft you into a beautiful creation. And how exactly did he do that? Now let's get to our passage, Ephesians 4. We left off with verse 20. Turn to Ephesians 4, verse 20. Ephesians 4, 20 says this. But that is not the way that you learned Christ. Now, I just love this because sometimes Paul speaks in this language where it's kind of like, duh. And he just talked to them about sinning, right? Remember in verses 18 and 19, he talked to them about sinning and he says, but that's not the way that you learned Christ. Like, hello, dude, you guys are off sinning and doing all these things, but that's not what you learned about Jesus. Does anybody ever watch the NFL stuff with Keyshawn Johnson when he does the, come on, man. Do you know what I'm talking about? Anyone? Dude, watch more TV for crying out loud. No. So there's this NFL guy, and he has this segment where it's like when people do dumb things, it's like, come on, man. This is, this is Paul's way of saying, come on, man. Like, listen, you guys, you, guys are do, you guys are sinning and doing all these things, but you, man, you know about Jesus. You, some of you were there. Like, you know the stories. You know all the miracles he did. You, you know everything that Jesus taught, and yet you're still choosing to sin. It's like, come on, man. Let, let's keep going on. Verse 22. Uh, verse 22. To put off your old self, which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, and this is cool, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So here's where Paul brings us back to that whole concept that we've been talking about this week, that, that the old self goes and the new self comes. And, and this is what Paul's saying. Look at me, listen, because this is really important. Paul's saying that transformation only happens if you have a relationship with Jesus. You can't transform on your own. You are not capable, no matter how hard you try. Transformation only happens in a relationship with Jesus. When you choose to follow Jesus, when you give him your life, only Jesus can make you new. You cannot be transformed unless you choose to follow Jesus. And, and here's the thing. Y'all go to a Christian school, and I bet a lot of you right now are just kind of pretending this right now. You're pretending to choose Jesus because you think that's what your parents want or you're at a Christian school. And here's the thing. God doesn't transform us till we choose to give him our lives and when we choose to actually trust him and not lean on our own trust and our own understanding. When I was your age, when I was in high school, I, this is what I struggled with. Like, I grew up in a Christian home. Like, I, I don't know, I just, I was going through the motions. I was doing a lot of pretending because I knew the right songs to sing. I sit up and I raised my hands and I worshiped God. At least, I mean, that's what people thought. But I don't know if internally I was really, really choosing Jesus for myself. And, and, and hallelujah, I had this mentor in my life, this guy named Gary. And, and I was talking to Gary, and I broke down to him one night. And I'm like, Gary, I, like, I, 
I don't know. I just feel like I'm pretending like I, I don't know what I believe in. And he said, here's the thing, Chip, is the reason why you haven't really, really chosen to trust Jesus is because you don't really know Jesus. And so he challenged me to read the four Gospels. And so I don't know how uh, your, your reading habits are right now when you get into the Bible. Or I, this is what I always hear from high schoolers. It's like, look, I don't know where to start. Start in the Gospels. Like Jesus is everything. And so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And here's the thing. I started reading the Gospels, y'all, for three years straight. In all of the rest of the years of high school, that's all I read was just the Gospels. Now, I don't know if that's healthy or not, but I'll tell you what it did was I learned about Jesus. Do you know about Jesus? Do you really know Jesus? Do you know that 2,000 years ago he performed hundreds of unexplained miracles that were witnessed by thousands of people? Do you know why he performed those miracles when he was on earth? To prove that he was God, that he was said he was? Do you know that Jesus has always existed? He wasn't created. He is God. And we can actually see him all throughout the Old Testament. Do you know that Jesus was 100% God and 100% man at the same time? All God, all man. And what's cool about that is, do you know that that means that Jesus experienced all the things that you're experiencing right now? He went through the same stuff because he was 100% man. Did you know that Jesus calmed a storm one time by simply just telling it to stop? Did you know that Jesus walked on water? Now, we read these stories sometimes in the Bible, but think about the reality of that. I'm a water skier, and, and I've actually learned how to barefoot. Have you ever seen barefoot skiing? Dude, I am skiing at like, you know, 35 miles an hour with, you know, with my feet skipping across the water. Oh, no, Jesus walked on the water. Did you know that he actually healed people and even brought people back to life? Or did you know that there were 60, more than 60 different predictions, prophecies that were made about Jesus over 700 years before he came to earth? And he fulfilled not just some of those prophecies, but all of them. Have you ever read about the encounter that Jesus had with the woman at the well? Or have you ever read the story about when Jesus flipped over the tables because people were desecrating the temple where people worshiped God and making a mockery of it? And did you know that Jesus came to earth ultimately so that he could give up his life for you? To be beaten, to be tortured, to literally pour out his blood so that he could take the place of death for the sins that you deserve. And did you know that Jesus claimed to be the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him? Partly, it took me three years to read those stories because I'm a terrible reader, y'all, terrible. But also because every time I got in these, I just kept wanting to read more because I got to know Jesus, the real Jesus. And the more I got to know him, not just understand about him, and know about him, but to get to know him, it drew me closer and closer to understanding that through him, God had a plan to reconcile my life, to recraft it into something amazing. And you know what else? Jesus was a master storyteller. 
Uh, in fact, I, I want to go through one of the stories that he told. Turn back to Luke. We're going to go to the Gospels and turn back to Luke chapter 15. And here's what I want to do is in Luke chapter 15, is there's this awesome, awesome uh, story. It's a parable that he tells. And we're going to go Luke 15 verse 11. And this is what I want, okay? There's three main characters in this parable, all right? And so we're going to do the best that we can to kind of divide it. Okay, so, so see this little crease right here? Okay, so everybody from this side of the crease, okay, this side of the crease, as we read the story, what I want you to do is to pay attention to the dad in the story, all right? And so after I read the story, I'm going to have you all give me some feedback on what was going on in the mind of the dad. Can you all do that on this side, in the crease? Okay, from the crease, middle, and all the way to the crease middle here, okay, you're gonna, you're gonna tell me what happened with the youngest son, okay, the youngest son. Got it? Youngest son? Dig it, okay. Crease over, oldest son, all right? Oldest son, oldest son back there, we got it? That's what you're paying attention. Now, pay attention to the whole story, but, but I'm gonna ask for feedback from those specifics, all right? So here we go, okay? So Luke chapter 15, we're gonna start in verse 11 and read down to 32. And he said, who do you think he is? Jesus. Jesus, you're paying attention, thank you. And Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons, okay? And the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And so the dad divided his property between them. Now, not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had, and he took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. And so he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him out into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he, he thought and he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I'll arise and go to my father. I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. So just treat me as one of your hired servants. And, and so he got up and he rose and he came to his father. And this is so cool. Listen to this. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. And he ran and he embraced him and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. Man, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, <laughs> Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this Son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and he came and he drew near to the house, and he heard this music and in dancing. And he called one of the servants and he's asked, Man, what has this meant? And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was the, the, the older brother was angry. And he refused to go in. And his father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I've served you. I never even disobeyed your command. You never even gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son, this son of yours, who devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you're always with me. And all that is mine is yours. 
And it is fitting to celebrate and be glad for this brother of yours was dead and is alive. He's lost and is found. Y'all heard that story before? Yeah, yeah. So let's start. The dad. Okay, let me get a couple questions again. You guys just help me out with this story. Shout it out, okay? How do you think the dad felt when his younger son took half of his inheritance? How do you think? Anybody? Mad? Upset? Yeah? Okay. Uh, do, do you ever think about like the fact, when do people get an inheritance? When somebody dies, right? And so the son's coming on like, hey, give me, like, I'm just going to treat you like you're dead. Give me half the money as if you're already dead. So it probably made the, the dad pretty sad. How about when he found out that the son had squandered it? How do you think that made him feel? Worse? Yeah, maybe worse. More saddened. And what, um, what do you think, and what did we see? What was the dad's reaction uh, when he saw his wayward son return? Joy. Happiness. You, see, you hear that? That whole thing that he saw him from a long way off. Obviously, man, y'all are smart enough to know that, God in, that, this, that dad in the story represents God. And, and this father's love was so great that despite the son's sin, the dad not only waited for his return, but he ran to him when he was a long way off. Y'all, this is how God is with us. Man, I know, look at me. I know that there are a lot of times, at least I felt this, where I let the guilt and the shame of my sin create fear to where I feel like I can't go back to God. You ever feel that way? I, I used to a lot. I mean, I still do at times. And I need you to remember that God loves you just like this father. And no matter how many times that you've sinned, I need you to know that God waits patiently for your return so that he can continue to mold you and form you and recraft you into his beautiful creation. Um, I've, I've been listening to, uh, I've, I was reading this book, this author and this podcaster named Jay Stringer. Listen to this quote. It's one of my most favorite quotes I've ever heard. He says this, the voice of the Lord is never filled with accusation or frustration. The God of the universe is never surprised by nor ashamed of the sinful behavior that we take part in. Instead, God understands it to be the very stage through which the work of redemption will be played out in our lives. Guys and girls, God, like that father, loves you beyond anything that you can possibly imagine. And just like the dad in the story, he never looks at you and says, dude, why did you do that again? God never looks at us like that, never. He never looks at us in accusation and frustration, but like the dad in the story, he looks at us and says, yes, yes, what was lost has been found. So tell me about the oldest son. Wait, oldest son over here? Oldest son. How do you think he felt when the youngest son took half the inheritance? Mad. I like it. Mad. How do you think uh, he felt when he found out that the son had the older son, the younger son had squandered all the money? More mad. Okay, you guys are good at this game. Okay, and how about when the dad welcomed him back? What did it say? Yeah, he was po'd. Right? He's like, dude, I've been here the whole time. What gives? See, I think that many of us find ourselves in a situation a lot like the oldest son. 
Like maybe we haven't gone off the beaten path. Maybe you've been raised in a Christian home. You're going to Christian school. You're like, look, like I haven't done really anything that bad. I haven't gone off and done crazy things. But here's the thing I want you to understand, even about the oldest son. The oldest son came back in anger and jealousy and bitterness. Are those sins? Yeah, absolutely. And remember, all of our sins leave us short of the glory of God. And so the oldest son was just as much in sin as the younger son and just as much in need of the father's love and forgiveness as the younger brother. And so maybe tonight you find yourself as we read that story thinking like, man, I'm a little bit more like that older brother. Like, man, I haven't done anything super crazy, but I recognize that there are things in my life that are separating me from God, that are keeping me from the intimacy that I could have with my creator. And, and let's finish with the youngest son. And, and let me ask you guys, in the middle, what do you think was going on in his mind that made him want to take the inheritance in the first place? Greed? Uh, do you think he was excited to go off and sin? Why? Because sin is fun. Right, I know, let's not quote that, but... Right, because we wouldn't do it. So he's thinking like, look, I know better than my dad does. I wish he was dead. I'm going to take his money. Um, how do you think he felt when he lost all of that stuff? Sad, terrible. And how do you think he felt when his dad welcomed him back with open arms? Yeah. Yeah, maybe unworthy, huh? Surprised? Yeah. This is how God sees us, y'all. This is how God sees us. We're all messed up. We're all sinners. We deserve death, eternal separation from God. And yet God's like, he sees us coming and he's like, come on back. Kill the fatted calf. Let's have a party. Like it's exciting. Like and this is what God loves from us. In fact, Ephesians 2, 7 says that in the coming ages that he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace. Do you want me to finish my screwdriver story? Yeah. Oh, you're like, hallelujah, I didn't think you were going to get there. So, so I steal the screwdriver, black and orange handled screwdriver. My dad makes me take it back to the hardware store to be able to apologize and pay $2. And this is what happens. Okay, again, I am scared to death. And I get up there and I am bawling like a baby. And you're like, sir. I stole a screwdriver. <laughs> and, and my dad like looks at me and he's like, and I reach into my pocket and I grab my $2. And I, this, this is the craziest thing. I start to give it to the guy. And this, I don't know where this dude came from, but this old guy was somehow like, like a loony magician. He was right behind us in line. And I go to put out the $2, and this old guy reaches around and grabs my arm and brings it down. Now, today, like, I'd sue him, but not him. He pulls down my arm, just kidding. And he reaches into his pocket, and he hands the clerk $2 of his own. And I'm like, what just happened? Like, I'm totally confused. And the old guy, not knowing that I was raised in a good Christian home, says, uh, son... I'm doing this right now because I want you to know that this is what Jesus did for us. 
And he went on to kind of like share the gospel with us. And I'm like, you know, dude, I'm, I know the God. But it was, it was, a, it was crazy. Um, my dad and I to this day think that maybe that was an angel, like an actual angel. We're not totally sure. It could have just been some crazy old guy that was awesome that just felt like we needed to know about Jesus. But here's what's cool about the thing. Like, and here's what's cool about the story. I mean, that is what Jesus did for us on that cross. You all deserve eternal separation from God forever. Your sin created that separation. And so death has to be paid. But Jesus stepped on this earth. He lived a perfect life. And he had to live a perfect life so that he could be the sacrifice for your sins. It was more than just $2. He paid with his life. And he stepped in the way I love Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, then goes on to say, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it's the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one can boast. Look, we are completely incapable of paying for it, and yet Jesus paid the price for us. Jesus became one of his own creations and lived a perfect life that we couldn't. 1 Timothy 2, 5 to 6 says, For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. And all we have to do, as Romans 10 says, is that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that he was raised from the dead, we will be saved, not by our own actions, but by his. So here's the deal. I feel like a lot of us are probably in that boat of what Paul said in Ephesians 4.22 that we read earlier. Like we know all these things that are about Jesus, but we're still trying to hold on to sins in our lives. We're still trying to hold on to the old because we think that we know better than God, no matter how crazy that is. And so this is what I want you guys to do, is tonight is I just kind of want you to take a little self-evaluation for a second. Um, and I want you to think about, like, what is it in your life that maybe you need to put away the old and allow Jesus, the new creation, to bring in the new? Maybe in this story you find yourself like the younger son. And, and you're really, you're trying to go out life on your own. And so as you read that story and you think, man, the way that the younger son did and he was off doing his own thing, you're like, man, that resonates with me. Like that's where I feel like I'm at. And you're trusting in yourself instead of God. And you're realizing that that doesn't really work. Everything that you try only leads to temporary joy and fulfillment. And so this is what you need to do tonight is tonight you just need to, you need to confess your sins to God. You need to be honest with him. I like this word. It's called truth-telling. God's omniscient. He knows everything. Like, man, try just laying it out there for him. Try truth-telling with God and just laying your sins and your feeble attempts at his feet. And, and tonight you just need to declare that, you know what? I know I can't do it without Jesus. I know everything I do falls short. And so I need Jesus in my life. I need to go back to the Father as the younger son did. And that's what's so cool that when we give our lives to Jesus, that literally like he doesn't see us sinful anymore. 
he looks down and he sees Jesus. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Or maybe tonight as we're sitting here or this, this week you've thought about it and, and as we say that story, you feel a little bit more like you're like the older son. Again, maybe you haven't strayed super far off, but you're looking at this upcoming school year and you're recognizing that there are things in your life that like you claim Christ and yet you're trying to straddle the fence. And there's little things like anger, bitterness, or jealousy, or, or who knows what, that's getting away from you having that intimate, intimate relationship with the God who created you. Listen, your sin separates you just as much, and it's robbing your intimacy. And so tonight, you need to take a moment to confess your sins to God and lay them at his feet. Matthew 16, 24 to 25 says this. Whoever wants to be my disciple must, must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Tonight it's time to make a choice. You were not here this week by accident or because your school made you come up here. God wanted you here. Because tonight's a night to think about where you're at. You're more like the younger son, you're like the older son. What is it that you need to do to lay at the feet of Jesus and say, God, I want that to be the old self. I wanna be a new creation in you. I want the old to become new. So this is what I want you to do, is just bow your heads with me. And, and I'm just gonna pray and y'all know that you can talk to God in your head. And so, look, as I'm praying, you can kind of repeat with me what I'm saying. Or you could just pray in your head and just talk to God yourself right now. Y'all done this enough. Like, just take a moment to be with him. And if maybe you feel a little bit more like the younger son and you've gone off and you've been trying to do things your own way away from God and you've never ran to the Father, then I'm just going to invite you to kind of just pray this along with me and just say, God, I'm sorry. I know I've been trying to do things my own way, but I know it's not working. And so I want to confess that to you I know I'm a sinner and I know I need you. I believe you died on that cross 2,000 years ago for me. And tonight, I want to be a new creation. I want you to start crafting me. Like that younger son, I'm running to you right now. And I'm so thankful that your arms are open wide, that you're gonna kill the fatted calf for me tonight. Thank you for loving me and never giving up on me. Maybe you're feeling like the older son and, and tonight you just need to pray and say maybe the same thing. 
or maybe you just need to say, God, I just, I want to give these specific sins over to you. I'm tired of straddling the fence, trying to live in both worlds. Because I recognize that my intimacy with you is hurting and I'm not getting everything in a life that I can because I haven't been choosing you. Daddy, again, I, I just pray over all these students. I have no idea where their heart is, but you do. And I, and, and I just I hope that they're taking a realistic look at where they're at and where their life is at. And I praise you because each and every one of us are fearfully and wonderfully made that you get, breathe life into us and that you desire so much out of your love and through Jesus Christ to redeem us, to reconcile us, and to begin this moment of just recrafting and molding us into the beautiful masterpieces that you call us to be through Jesus. Thank you again so much that you love us. In Jesus' name we pray.